Welcome to Find Your Niche, a career podcast offering advice that you can implement today, as well as career tips that will set you on a career path and help you to find your niche. I'm Lori Cole, certified career coach and job search advisor with iHire. iHire connects you to industry-specific jobs in over 57 talent communities. Find your niche today on iHire. With the start of the new year, it's time to start thinking about your performance appraisal or your performance review and start to prepare for it. But I know some people will say, what preparation? My boss basically runs the entire show. I'm not given much of a chance to speak at all. But if that's happening in your case, then you're really missing out on a prime opportunity to lay out your accomplishments, talk about your goals for the upcoming year, and get some feedback from your boss to make sure that you're on the right track. If your performance review is coming up, don't worry, I have some tips that will help you prepare. Here are the latest trends, topics and tips that will help you in your job search. Make sure you have plenty of time to prepare because your performance review is a big deal. So it's in your best interest to put in some time and some effort and make it a good one. So here are a few things that you can do. Think about your goals and be ready to share them with your manager. I know you probably have thoughts about your job and things that you want to do and accomplish this year that may not even be on your boss's radar. So make sure that you're writing those things down and identify them. Also, think about the areas where you can improve. Everybody can do a better job. And it's time to be honest with yourself and really think about those areas where you think that you can improve and where you want to get stronger. Maybe think about taking some classes. There are a lot of things out there called MOOCs that you can find. They're free or they are very low cost online courses. And those can really help to bolster your skills and your knowledge in certain things. If you really aren't sure where you could get better or where your strengths lie, ask your coworkers. They will be able to tell you where they feel like you're very strong as a team player and where you could maybe use a little bit of help. I know that this is not easy to hear, but it really will help you to improve if you're willing to accept that feedback. It's fair to say that most managers don't keep a record of what you're doing day to day. They don't keep a record of your accomplishments for the last year. So it's really up to you to talk about your accomplishments in your performance review and show that you are adding value to the company. When you're talking about your accomplishments, make sure that you're also talking about the outcomes of those accomplishments and what was actually achieved. And also, if you can include some numbers or some data, that really gives everybody a better picture of what you've done. And then bonus to this is when it's time to start looking at your resume and redoing your resume again, you have that list of accomplishments that is all ready for you. You can just start adding those with the data to your resume. It's so hard to keep track of thinking about the last six months. What have I done over the last six months? If you can keep a running list or or some sort of a list so you have those accomplishments at hand, that will really help with your review. 
Now, your manager might have some goals in mind for you for the next year and for your job, but you need to also come with your own list of goals. It shows that you are taking initiative and you want to grow and contribute as an employee. Be sure that you're asking questions during your review. This shows that you are actively listening and invested in the conversation. And if you have follow-up questions, it's a great way to get more clarity about exactly what it is your boss wants you to do and where your boss sees you. Now, if you don't know what questions to ask, I've got a few here for you that we can help you with. Can you give me an example of what skills I should focus on improving? How can I do things differently next year to improve my performance? What action should I take to boost my rating for next year? What do you think are the most important goals for me in the coming year? How can I be a more supportive team player and let your manager know that you're interested in moving up the ladder and advancing your career? So ask them what goals they suggest that you make to make that happen. Part of the active listening that I was talking about is the ability to accept feedback, hear and accept that feedback. And this can be so tough. It is not always easy to hear where we need to improve, but it's important to remember that everyone goes through this and it's a vital part of the process. So my suggestion is to just mentally prepare yourself for that review and try to be open and receptive to the feedback that you'll receive. You know that part of this process is accepting critical feedback. So just try to be open and not become defensive if you hear something that maybe sets you on edge a little bit. Nobody's perfect. We all have room to grow and improve. But by hearing someone else's perspective on it, we can improve. We have the opportunity to develop and grow not only as an employee, but as a person too. Now, as you're talking to your manager about these goals, don't forget to ask for the support that you think you'll need to achieve these goals, whether it is taking a class, going to a conference, whatever you need, you need to ask for with your manager to make sure that they understand that you are trying to problem solve and you are trying to analyze this goal and what they've asked you to do and that you're being proactive. Don't be afraid to ask for the support of your manager. Ask for the things you'll need to achieve those goals. Show your manager that you're a problem solver, that you can analyze, that you kind of know what you're doing when it comes to the steps you need to achieve for those goals. Let them see that you're a team player and that you're not afraid to ask for help. It really is a win-win situation. You'll be able to achieve your goals and your manager will see all the great qualities and skills you have to offer. Some people think about asking for a raise during their performance reviews and just make sure to understand how your company's review process ties into salary increases so that you're prepared to bring it up. 
Here's some tips that might help you. Use your work accomplishments as examples of how you add value and impact the company's bottom line and the company's productivity. Do your research in advance and come prepared with evidence of your value in the market. Lots of great places where you can do this. We have I Hire Salary Tools You can also go to Payscale or Glassdoor. There are several places out on the web where you can find what your value is in today's marketplace. And if you're going to ask for a raise, have a specific figure in mind. Have a figure in mind that you think is fair and be ready to negotiate. If things don't go as planned and you don't get the raise that you want, ask when you can expect your next increase or when you might be able to bring it up again in the future. You might be hitting the company at a bad time. Timing is everything when you're asking for a raise. So the answer might not be no forever. It just might be no right now. So it's important to be persistent and communicate your needs. My guest today is Shane Steele. He's a VP and Dean of Trine University's Rinker Ross School of Health Sciences. And he is also an associate professor in the exercise science department. Shane has a wealth of experience as a licensed physical therapist, but Shane's passion really lies in education. And he's been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do both. He works in his physical therapy practice in the early hours of the morning and then starts his eight to five job at Trine. Shane's going to tell us what it takes to become a physical therapist and give us some good advice on what to do if you don't know what you're going to do with your life when you're starting college. Let's hear from today's featured guests who has found their niche. So how many years of schooling did you have to complete to become a physical therapist? So there's a couple different ways you can go about becoming a physical therapist for schooling-wise. The traditional model is you go, you get your four-year degree. Once you've done your four-year degree, you take the GREs or whatever testing they need you to, and then you go to a three-year physical therapy program. So seven years is the traditional model. So let's go back to your when you started the physical therapy clinic. Did you start working in a clinic and then just say, Oh, I want to start this on my own or what did how did that all come about? So I've worked for lots of different places. After graduating PT school, I did work for a clinic in western Pennsylvania, eastern Ohio. Worked there for a few years. Then we decided to move out to this area to be halfway between our families. So then I was working for a clinic in Coldwater, Michigan, and there it was a large large corporation. The, at the time I left, we had 800 clinics across the country, so very very large. Yeah. But there were just some things there I did not really like. And at the same time, I also wanted to move closer, like work closer to home because we were living 20 minutes away. So I went there, worked at a skilled nursing facility for about a year. I just really missed the outpatient world. And so that was kind of when we opened up, my wife and I opened up Achieve. What does your day look like at Trine? I know that you're doing some traveling back and forth. You're helping to build a new building. So what does that day-to-day look like? Are you teaching? Are you counseling? Are you administrating? 
So I am pretty much administrating, as you will, most of the day. I do teach one online class right now, and that is it. So it's the least I've ever taught, which is kind of interesting, kind of weird this semester. But I am doing one online class. I do still have a few advisees left over. I have not taken on any new advisees in the past year, but I am still counseling, working with those students to make sure that they get to where they want whatever their next steps are, you know, make make sure they get there. And then most of it is just administration, kind of seeing how can we improve our programs. Do you think things are back from COVID? Do you think things are kind of back to normal? Um, No. And fortunately, I don't think we ever will go back. I think COVID really forced a lot of people to rely on technology more. This technology has been there for a while, but we haven't used it in our classes. And I think the technology has really improved the product that our students are receiving. So we are able to record our lectures now. We're able to do so many different things that we weren't doing three, four years ago. So I, I actually think it's a much better product that the students are getting today than they were before. I think the same thing with our business. We would have never been in a situation where companies would be willing to test, let's all work from home and see how it goes. Right. You know, it was this forced test and some people don't like that. They don't like that remote being by yourself all day, but other people are thriving in that environment. You juggle the business, you juggle trying, you juggle a family. Where do you find your work-life balance? So when we first opened up our clinic in 2009, I was working essentially until 6.30 every night. And then that kind of migrated. And then it was 6.30 a couple nights. It was 6 a couple nights. And earlier one day a week, you know? And so when I started working at Trine, it was, you know what? I can do what you want between 6.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. But after that, I can't really do a whole lot, you know? And so it never, so kind of that 6, 6.30 time at night has always been that time I need to be done. I need to be at home by then. And so that just has never changed with regardless of what my roles have been, so... I can imagine that it's a lot of compartmentalization and very good planning. It is a ton of carpet. I can't say the word right now, but what you said. Compartmentalization. Um, Because you've got a different computer for everything, right? And so when I open up my laptop, my fingers just instantly start typing for that computer and it types the right passwords in, right? Right. But when I type up, or when I open up a different one, if I'm doing something else, my fingers have a hard time going to type the right password. You know, it's just because they adjust to the color of the keyboard and then they just, it's on autopilot. In your role at Trine, what advice do you give students if they don't know where they want to go with their careers? Kind of just to wait and see, leave your eyes open, you know, do the right things, figure out what is important to you, what's not important to you. And then unfortunately, it's just a wait and see. A lot of times we get too anxious or we want to hurry up and we want that next thing to happen tomorrow, but it might not happen tomorrow. You know, so you just have to evaluate what's important and wait for the right opportunity. 
Do you see a lot of people coming into college in that situation where they're just like, I, I really don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm here because it was the next thing I was supposed to do, but I yes. really don't know what I want to do. Yes, you see a lot of people doing that. And one of the kind of the neat things at Trine that I love, and this is one of the things that drew it drew me to it, was the fact that the faculty have real world experience. They're kind of living those careers. But then at the same time, they are the student advisors. So they're able to sit there and work through the pros and cons with each one of the students for the different professions. So you're able to kind of help the students figure that out. So it's, it really is asking the question, what is important to you? Have you had anybody come through and, and be all like, gun ho I'm going to be a physical therapist. And then they get into it where they're starting to do internships and, and job shadows. And then they just say, oh my gosh, this is not for me. Yeah. Yes, that happens frequently. And then how do you pivot from that? So you usually ask them to do an internship in what they think they want to do before they change their mind or change their mm -hmm. major. Or you ask them to take a class in what they think they want to do, and they might just take one class in there. Or you have them go talk to a professional there. You don't rush to any conclusions or decisions super, super quickly. Just let them think about it and set them up for it. And you really probably can't make those decisions with a one-day job shadow. No, you cannot. We had a student one time who, he came to me at the end of the spring semester, and he was in the direct entry three plus three program. So he was on schedule to be done and be a physical therapist after six years. And he said, I don't like this. Oh, what don't you like about it? He gave the right answers, you know. So luckily, he was able to get a sales internship set up for that exact summer. So he spent all summer working as a sales intern. He loved it. And we were able to transfer him into the School of Business and he made a great transition. He graduated. I, he graduated on time even. And so it really was good. So it does happen. Or sometimes your parents kind of set you up and say, oh, I think you should go this direction. Do, yes, that happens frequently. So that's just what you're expected to do. And then you get in there and say, oh, I really don't like this at all. Yep. Do the majority of students coming into the program expect to work in sports someday? When when they're first coming in, are they all like, oh, I'm going to work for an NBA team or NFL team? I, will, I see that happening less and less, but I feel like it used to happen a whole lot more. I know when I went to PT school, I feel like all the males wanted to go into sports and all the females wanted to go into pediatrics. Mm -hmm. And when we graduated, no males or nobody went into sports exclusively, and only one female went into pediatrics. So, yeah, so I, I, th I think people do go into PT school with a notion of what they want. And I do think most of the time that changes as they graduate PT school. Do you see people completing their degrees and not being happy about their chosen field. I, I've been surprised at the number of people who are not working in the field in which they receive their degree. And that's a tricky question because, yes, obviously you see some people that get into it and then they might go into something else because it's a better opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, what led me to education was I discovered my favorite part is just educating clients on what's going on with their issues or educating clients on what's going on with their bodies. 
So I really enjoyed that. And that's kind of what led to the education. And then I kind of enjoyed the administration component. So it's kind of, it wasn't that I wasn't happy as a physical therapist. I just enjoyed the educational component a whole lot. Yeah. So I see some people, yes, moving up or changing careers based on they just find what they like better. But then there are some people that are, yes, they are disgruntled. They don't like their chosen profession for whatever reason. What do you love about your job? And that really, I like helping people understand things. I really do enjoy that. And I like to problem solve. So when I when I break it down to the very, very basic level, those are the two things that I enjoy. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to talk about that you think it's really important for somebody to know that is going into this field? I would really just say that if you're going into this field, keep your eyes open. And if you go do observation hours at one place, or if you go to one physical therapy clinic and you don't like it, that doesn't mean you don't like physical therapy. That just means you don't like that clinic, you know? So it really is evaluating what is important to you. And if it's not, this is what I love about physical therapy too. If you're not seeing that at any place, you can always create your own. Yes. You know, so you can kind of make your own thing to be exactly what you want. And that's, I think the biggest benefit to physical therapy. We appreciate our featured guest for joining the Find Your Niche podcast. Now, more career advice and stories from your host, Lori Cole. So during the interview, Shane talked about just waiting and watching. He talked about that approach. If you don't know exactly what it is that you want to do for your degree, there is nothing wrong with getting into school, getting all your prereqs out of the way. And while you're doing that, explore all of the options. Take a look at some of these classes for fields that you think that you might be interested in and go sit in on those classes if you can or talk to your career counselor. Those career counselors are there to help you. Take advantage of them. They have seen people in your situation a million times, and they will be able to walk you through the best steps so that you can think about your career. I really liked what Shane said about exploring your different options. Take advantage of those internships, the co-op programs, the job shadowing opportunities, and get that hands-on experience in various fields. I know that you feel like your summer is for taking time off because school has been hard, but those are also prime times for you to go out and Try to work in something surrounding your field to see if it is really what you want to do. But don't make a decision for your entire career based on one location of a job or one day of job shadowing. Immerse yourself in it. Try to figure out what they do and how they do it. And if you are going to like this day-to-day routine throughout your career. Now, where you start is not going to be where you end. Everybody has their own path and you'll end up someplace totally different. But to start with, it really will help you if you have a passion for what you're doing. And that will come through. Shane also mentioned taking those relevant courses and 
taking classes in your field of interest can help you gain some skills and some knowledge and see if you think you're going to like it based on that course of study. Be sure to keep an open mind, get a sense of the job market. Don't go into something that says that the need for this particular position is going to decrease by 50% in the next five or 10 years. Make sure that you're going into a field where when you get out of school, you know that you have a good chance at getting a job. Probably one of the most common things that I see for new grads, people fresh out of college, is that they feel that since they've earned their degree, they should be holding out for a management position. And that's just not the way it works. You've got to start at those entry-level positions because guess what? Most of the people that you'll be working with also have their degrees and they aren't in management positions. They're also holding out for those management positions. So build a good solid work foundation, pay your dues, get your experience, and then you can start climbing that corporate ladder. Is there something you need some guidance on in terms of your career? Email to laurie.cole at ihire.com. Thanks for listening.